Welcome to another edition of Old School Guns, the podcast that tells you exactly like it is. And this is edition number 161. So here we are, episode 161. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email them to me at kbmakel at aol.com. kbmakel at aol.com. Or leave them in the comments section of Podbean, where we create the podcast. So, hey, we got a few things. How long it's going to run today, I'm not sure. It's probably going to be a little shorter than usual, but uh, definitely wanted to get this stuff out. Um, number one, hey, we finally have a house speaker. And, uh, you know, I don't like, I don't really trust anybody from California. So, what can I tell you? Um, I, but it was good that they made him sweat. I know that's against a lot of the conventional wisdom you're hearing. But, uh, hey, they made him sweat and uh, going to hold him accountable. So, that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully that pops up when we uh, fight the pistol brace, potential pistol brace ban and, and all the rest of this. Plus all the good news about, hey, I, I'm not a bump stock, guy, bump stock guy, never own one, never will own one, don't really like them, see them as ammo wasters. But the fact that the court said that that ban is unconstitutional is good. So we'll, uh, uh, we'll stay tuned on that. But I, I think... Uh, if people want them, I don't know why they would, but uh, bump stocks are are definitely going to be uh, able to be had. You know, a couple a couple things I said I'm going to do short, going to go short on uh, politics, so I'm going to do that. But I do have to comment on the secrets. Everybody's got secrets, and it appears you know they found some in Trump stuff, and that was the crime of the century. Even they even said nuclear codes, which of course weren't there, uh, were taken, but. Anyway, they had to have the FBI raid Mira Lago and all the rest of it. Now it finds out that Joseph Robinette Biden has had these things laying around for years. When he was vice president, he took a whole bunch of classified things. And they're sitting, you know, in his office in Delaware. Now they're, they're finding him in his home. They even found him in his garage next to his Corvette. You know, he, he bought himself a classic Corvette. And, and I guess you can do that. I would love to have a classic Corvette, but I don't have a, a Hunter Biden out there collecting... When he's not doing crack and, and cavorting with prostitutes and trying to figure out how to support his illegitimate children with, um, you know, strip bar workers and all the rest of it. When he's not busy doing that, he's actually scooping up just tons of money from the Ukrainians, the Chinese, and, and probably others. So you can take just a minuscule part of that and buy yourself probably one of the nicest classic Corvettes going. And that's what Joe Biden did. But next to his classic Corvette, they found a whole box of these things. Now, my take on this is really going to be a little different than what you've heard. You know, one, one thing is clearly when a politician leaves office, there's a problem. And we have different levels of politician when politicians when it comes to classified documents. Only the president, only the president of the United States can declassify anything. Anything can be declassified. He just looks at a document and says, I declassify that. And guess what? It's not classified anymore. Could be marked top secret, but it's not anymore. He has that power. He has that authority in the person of the president. He can't really delegate that. So it doesn't cover Joseph Biden, 
who is vice president. Vice president doesn't have it. Didn't cover Hillary Clinton when she was secretary of state. She does not have that power. Donald Trump had that power. Barack Obama had that power. And all the other presidents, same way. So here's an example, a clear example of this. In 1980, one of the most closely guarded secrets of the United States was the stealth bomber program. I mean, it was huge. It was huge. Um, that was a that was probably our most closely guarded secret. Uh, during the presidential campaign, during a debate, Jimmy Carter was was catching heat for canceling the original B one bomber program. It later came back under Reagan as the B-1B, but the original B-1, the B-1A, was canceled by him. And when he was catching heat for that, he basically, on national television, said, we have, we don't need it because we have a stealth bomber program that's just about ready to go online. So, that's an example of a president declassifying something. And he had to complete, now was it smart to do that? Yeah, you know, make up your own mind. Um... Was it a politic? Was it politically motivated? Probably, but did he have every right to do that? And the answer is unequivocally yes. So we have all these things. It's clear that when politicians are leaving office, now Donald Trump could just wave his hand over the boxes and say, "I declassify anything that's in here. It's all declassified. It's good to go." You know, he moves it out. It's it's no longer classified. Joseph Biden, little Robinette, little Robinette Biden, when he's leaving the vice presidency in 2017, he can't do that. He doesn't have the authority to do that. So there's a big difference between documents Trump holds and documents Biden holds. So where I'm getting at is, do you hold the, do you hold Donald Trump, which you really can't hold him responsible? Can you hold Biden responsible? And I would say that given both these cases, and I'm sure there's others, uh, the fact of the matter is um, there's a procedural problem with this. The procedural problem is um, the documents in, the, in all of the tight scheduling and haste to get a politician out of the official residence and all the rest of it, this stuff gets mixed in. And it's not packed by them personally. It's packed by their staff, staff members, probably the lowest staff members who may not know even what they're looking at. Or they're contained in another file. The other file looks okay. They open it up. But inside, there's some classified stuff. Clearly, there needs to be a mechanism in place to go through this stuff before it actually leaves you know the government premises so that's what I would say um, you know there's a procedural problem now of course it takes all the wind and fart gas out of the mouths of Democrats because you know the Trump investigation will go away there will be no problem with classified documents now with Donald Trump not that there should have been in the first place but there, there can't be now because what's good for the goose good for the gander and Biden is equally guilty. Okay. Oh, you may not you may know that of course Top Gun Maverick was one of the top 
grossing pictures of all time as far as money goes um, you know generated a fantastic amount of money popular worldwide except in the People's Republic of China where it was banned because it glorifies the US military well as a member of the US military I tell the Chinese the Chinese are punks and everybody knows it um, the communist Chinese have had their thumb on the Chinese people for way too long they should have been removed a long time ago but they're not they now want to go to a free country which is Taiwan and enslave those people I mean we're talking about people the the Chinese communist government they have slave laborers working in toy factories what else do I have to say but anyway in response to Top Gun Maverick they turned out a movie that was called Born to Fly and Born to Fly they made this movie and like everything else manufactured in China um, corners were cut and all kinds of other things happened and when they screened it and I guess they looked at Top Gun Maverick 2 even though they banned it in their own country they said we can't put this out it's too embarrassing so some people I know came up with reasons why it was probably too embarrassing to release so I'll just go over a few of those with you now and this again reflects on the Chinese communist leaders because actually if you had if you had uh, capitalism and freedom in China um, there would be Chinese filmmakers who would make probably some pretty darn good films but this is a state-run propaganda film and here's what was wrong with it uh, one reason Born to Fly was unsuccessful was because in the airplanes instead of using control sticks they used chopsticks okay yeah chopsticks would be a problem because they don't have any buttons on them to control anything they bend a lot and they probably break and probably the only advantage to chopsticks would be that you could get a new pair after every meal so um, yes chopsticks would be a problem uh, the next problem uh, the G suits were made out of rice paper yeah that that would be a problem because a G suit has got to kind of keep your body in its shape and rice paper probably can't do that oh the next thing is let's see hmm the fifth generation fighters in born to fly were made out of recycled takeout food styrofoam cartons yeah that would be a problem they, they could certainly couldn't go very fast they probably wouldn't look very good but I don't think they would reflect any radar though I think styrofoam would probably uh, um, absorb all the radar so so that's it let's see another reason the landing gear on the Chinese stealth fighters were repurposed from Hot Wheels cars yeah that yeah that, that'd be a problem too that'd be a problem too uh, let's see oh here's one the script was written by the same people who write the assembly instructions for anything you buy from China yeah that'd be that'd be totally incomprehensible if you've ever tried to read those instructions and put something together with them you know how how frustrating that is so if the same people who wrote that wrote their script yeah it would be bad uh, another one with it the script was written on fortune cookie papers <laughs> okay they don't have fortune cookies in China I think that's just in America so 
But that would create a problem because you'd have to write it so small to get it on those little pieces of paper that, um, you know, it, it would be very hard to read and be very hard to get into character and act. So those are some of the things that's wrong with Born to Fly. Uh, you can see the trailer for it uh, on YouTube, and that's the only thing you can see because they, uh, they saw how crummy this was and um, they basically pulled it. So there you go. Um, that's it. <laughs> of course, getting back to some people who are equally as silly. Um, as you may or may not be aware, because nobody really cares. Nobody Understand, I'm going to talk about something nobody really cares about. We got a whole bunch of military bases in the United States. A lot of the ones in southern states, maybe half a dozen, maybe five or six of these, were named after Confederate generals. A lot of them you know, had served in the U.S. Army through the Mexican War, and then at the beginning of the Civil War, they said, hey, you know, I'm from Virginia, so I have to hey, I have to stand with Virginia. Okay. Well, they want to rename these bases now because of, apparently it offends people that we've named something like Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Fort AP Hill. Um, and it apparently offends people. But anybody that small, thin-skinned, and stupid, you know, probably is offended by anything. They're probably offended by everything. Um, you know, I'll be honest, with, uh, Fort Benning in Georgia's one. I mean, um, I'll be honest with you, I was stationed at Fort Benning. I, I don't know who, I, I'm sure there was a General Benning. I don't know who the hell he was. Uh, I know there was a Braxton Bragg, but that's about all I know about him. And I'm kind of a history guy, but, you know, same thing with A.P. Hill. Um, then there are some that are actually, like Fort Jackson, South Carolina. I don't know, I don't think that's named after Stonewall Jackson. It's named after someone else um yeah same thing with fort stewart georgia it's not named after jeb stewart it's named after somebody else so um you know there you go i mean nobody really knows nobody cares but they're going to make a big deal out of this but now they have the problem okay who do you name it after um they were going to name one of them fort eisenhower that would have been great except if you read i you know the uh biography of eisenhower he brags about how he beat up a black, a, a big black guy in high school. So obviously that's not politically correct enough. Um, at first I thought, well, we could, you, you could easily get out of this by naming them after Revolutionary War heroes from that state. Like you could name, you know, uh, Fort, I think it's Fort Lee in Virginia. You could name that Fort Washington, except... George Washington was a slave owner. A bunch of the Revolutionary War guys were slave owners, so we can't do that. Um, so what do we do? Do we just get contemporary names? Do we just do, you know, names that, that would fit in with our, our pop, hip-hop culture, like, you know, Fort Welfare Office, uh, Fort Crack Smoke, uh, Fort Hoopty. Um, you could have Fort... Bradley Manning. Oh, well, Chelsea Manning. Well, you know what? The, the easy way to do that is you have two forts that are close together. One could be Fort Bradley Manning. The other could be Fort Chelsea Manning. Yeah, that would be that'd be about right. Yeah. Uh, you could have Fort Kardashian. You know, just... Uh, it, the only thing you couldn't have there was the intelligence school because, you know, it's Kardashian and that's anti-intelligence right there. Um... You know, I, I can't really think of any other uh, any other great things that we could name it. Uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things. Um, you can have Fort 
Fort Corn Pop, and then Biden could go down there and put up boxing exhibitions because, you know, Corn Pop never really existed. Um, there's all these things you could do. All these things you could do. But the bottom line is just sort of renaming forts that nobody really cares about just seems to be a stupid, a stupid exercise. Well, that's enough of that. Um, we're going to get to my favorite part, questions and answers. And I got a bunch of questions that have... Uh, drifted in uh, not getting a whole lot on the uh, either the email or the podbean so uh, if you got them send them uh, here is one have you seen the new high point 10 millimeter pistol well you know I've not seen one in the flesh uh, again I hate to I hate to keep dumping and crapping on high point but you know I don't understand where their market is for this because high point is usually a very you know it's it's totally cheap the slides are made out of what is it zamac which is some mystery material which is renowned for its cheapness it's a blowback design and apparently it uses the same 10 shot magazine that the 10 millimeter high point carbine does so you know there you go you got this a blowback 10 millimeter pistol which retails for 225 bucks. Okay, I look at that and I go, well, how much? It's, you know, the high point pistol doesn't even make sense in a cheap 9mm that you're just going to shoot the cheapest ball ammunition through. Because now even the cheapest ball ammunition is, is kind of expensive. So I look, I look around and I figure 10mm, if you buy it in bulk, you buy the cheapest stuff out there still going to run you $40 a box and then the price goes up from there you know um, depending on shipping and, and other things uh, you go into LGS's local gun gun shops it's going to be even more than that so there is no cheap 10 millimeter ammo out there so why in the world would you spend 40 to $50 a box on ammunition that you're going to shoot through a $225 gun I mean um, with the kind of sights that and I know they say well we put Glock sights on it well Glock sights aren't that great so um, I, I don't understand it, it just seems to be a lost cause and, and of course the you know what is the the new justification for the 10 millimeter is well bear defense well there there is bear defense I mean I, I'm not gonna say that people don't get attacked by bears you rarely hear somebody fighting off a bear with a handgun um, but it, I suppose it could happen but the reason you know do you, are you going to if you're down to the let's say you're you're fishing on the you know Yukon River or whatever it is in Alaska and you know a grizzly bear come a big brown bear comes wandering out of the the woods and once the salmon you just caught and even if you give it to them, they're still going to try to eat you anyway. So, I mean, are you going to rely on a high point? I mean, if your life is at stake and, and everything is riding on a pistol, are, are you going to use a high point? I don't think so. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, the other excuse for something like this is, well, in case I need it, I, I can, you know, it's a cheap enough gun. I can put it in my tackle box or put it in the toolbox of my truck or something again if you need a firearm you're gonna put 
you're going to bet everything on that, especially when it's been riding around for a few months without any kind of lubrication or anybody paying close attention to it. You're going to you're going to do that? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I would much rather have one of those cheap 12 gauge pumps that they sell for under 200 bucks. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather uh, bet on that and I'm not even sure I'd feel comfortable with that, but if I had a choice between just those two, it's no secret which I will which one I'll take. Uh, so I don't see it. To me, it's you know the cheap. Now, if if you want to, if you say, hey, look, I just don't have a huge budget. I don't want to carry around a thousand-dollar handgun when I'm out fishing. Um, I get that. There's there's a Glock 10 millimeter. Um, there's also some. Tesis makes them. I think RIA make them. I think even Ruger makes them. Um, there are some 10 millimeter 1911 type guns that you could get a hold of that from you know reputable manufacturers that you know. And I'm not saying High Point's not reputable, but High Point really isn't that reputable to me. I mean, I, I to people talking in theoreticals, this is all okay. If you've ever actually put your been in a dangerous situation and felt your life was at risk, the last thing you're going to buy is a high point 10 millimeter if you need a 10 millimeter handgun. Just that simple. Just that simple. And in fact, you probably will not rely on a handgun at all. Um, the handgun will be secondary to some other kind of armament. And if it's that dangerous where you're fishing, you know, do something else. Don't go fishing. So that's my thought about the high point 10 millimeter. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's like putting premium plus gasoline in a motor scooter. That's, that's, it's just kind of that, that sort of thing. Okay, next thing. Opinion on 50 BMG rifles. Um, my opinion on 50 BMG rifles are, is that for a while they were kind of the hotness they were considered cool to the guys who need the uh, penis extension uh, that's that's fine um, yeah I know guys we'll go to 50k dude what about that you know okay great um, number one I don't shoot guns that are not fun to shoot 50 cals are not fun to shoot. Even the professionals in the military who've shot the Barretts and, and the other things and, and law enforcement, they there were a few law enforcement agencies that have these things. Um, nobody thinks they're fun to shoot. I mean, they're a novelty to shoot for a while, but, you know, that's not something you want to go out and just, man, I want to have some fun this afternoon. I'm going to shoot my 50 BMG. Nobody really does that. Uh, you shoot a 50 BMG to do two things. Number one, is to hit something really hard and cause maximum destruction. Number two is to eliminate something. You know, the military flirted with using them as sniping rifles, but the Barretts were actually bought as an anti-material quote-unquote rifle. Uh, they were actually first bought by the Air Force to blow up unexploded. UXOs, unexploded ordnance on airfields. Your airfield gets attacked. There's a bomb out there. Well, they don't send the guys out there in the suits, 
you know do I cut the red wire or the white one no no they don't do that um, they just blow it in place and then have a bulldozer fill it over fill in the hole and go from there so um, that's what it was really there it's been used as a sniper rifle um, in in other ways well you know you could get a team in close enough there's a critical enemy radar and you shoot it with a 50 cal and break it yeah that could you know that's all possible but that's that's a very very specific use by a very high-end type of unit on a on a very very uh, unusual mission so you know the 50 cal kind of has fallen out of favor with the military I think they've they've actually gotten rid of them uh, now they still have the M2 machine gun because that you know that's mounted on tanks and things and that doesn't that's a whole different whole different animal um, but they're replacing them with 338 Norma Magnum 338 Lapua and other things that are actually designed to provide long-range accuracy and can do a great deal bit of damage on their own so I, I would not buy I know that everybody um, as an alternative to the Barrett about 20 years ago a little more 25 years ago they were buying the AR-50 you know the AR-50 was the bolt action single shot because a lot of people figured hey I really don't need anything other than a single shot so they were doing that and uh, almost everybody I know who had one got rid of it just because of recoil you know it's it's not fun and it tends that nobody really wants to talk about this but they too do tend to destroy scopes they too do tend to you know all that power has effects on the weapon on the scope and on the shoulder of the shooter so you shoot it five or six times hey you're probably done uh, another issue is ammo cost I mean ammo cost right now is going to be about five bucks a round um, and it probably goes up from there for more of the match style stuff um, so if you're shooting at this quote a sniper quote unquote rifle um, you're gonna use the higher-end stuff if you're just out out there shooting the ball ammunition just uh, you know blow up old uh, oil drums or a derelict car out on out in the desert somewhere hey that's gonna be an expensive range day five bucks a round for the even the cheap stuff um, 20 rounds a hundred bucks now well, some people pay it you know but I, I think for most most people look at that and say the practical considerations for owning that really don't present themselves because I'm not out there trying to destroy things I mean you really wouldn't want to buy this just to shoot paper and the the cost of it just makes it just very impractical to own you can you can buy a lot of other things and get a lot more enjoyment so um, yeah 50 cal rifles uh, they'll they'll always kind of be around because guys want the biggest and most powerful and that's that's within reason and ammunition is available for it you know stuff that's bigger there's just no ammunition so anyway uh, they'll be around but they'll never be as popular as they once were um, that's just the way that is uh, nine millimeter lever action yeah there's a thing called the tombstone made by POF the nine millimeter I think that's Patriot Ordnance Factory something like that um, the tombstone nine millimeter lever action and it's like some tactical looking thing I mean it's a contraption 
Um, yeah, I have no desire for it. I don't see a reason for it other than if you live in a, if you live in one of the blue states that has made everything illegal. Um, number one, I don't feel sorry for you because you're choosing to continue to live there. Number two, you know, I, I'm just sorry. That's just laws you, you've chosen to live with. So if you've got to rely on a contraption like this as opposed to something better, well, then you're stuck. But, yeah, I don't see any real... If, if you have uh, access to... If you, if you live in freedom, there's no reason for this. So this is like a banned state thing. And, uh, you know, I'll even say that I, I don't even, I'm not even that impressed with it. I mean, the only way this would have worked was if... Maybe you have a 20-shot tubular magazine because it's it's fed with a box. The, the tombstone is fed with a box magazine, which means in a restricted state, you're restricted to 10 rounds. I'd rather have a 20-round tubular magazine, which they don't restrict. Um, okay, yeah, it's going to be harder to reload, but hey, you got twice as many, so there you go. Um, it's, it's a... I don't know. If they'd had a shorter lever throw, maybe you could you could sit there and go, yeah, I can I can click this thing so fast, but it looks like it's got a standard lever throw, you know, almost 90 degrees, so you're not gaining anything. So I, I would say, yeah, you know, good good luck with that. Um, yeah, good luck with that. That'll be on Forgotten Weapons here, like next year or something. Oh, somebody said, what do you mean no brake tops? What is you know, what is really wrong with them? Why can't a brake top revolver come back? Well, I, I, I kind of went over to it. They look clunky. They're not aesthetically as pleasing as other types. Um, and and uh, maybe I didn't mention this, but every one I've ever used that's had a double action pull, and that's, you know, creaky Webleys or there are a few others. Um, those things are, have horrendous horrendous uh, trigger pulls so the double action trigger pull on a lot of these ones that are double action and there are some single action ones but the double action ones are horrible um, you know that's another reason that that you know the swing out cylinder like Smith & Wesson triple locks and all that just smoked these things um, so there you go I mean that and all the other reasons but they're ugly they're clunky they have terrible trigger pulls so other than that other than that they're they're perfect they're absolutely they're absolutely perfect otherwise uh, 32 Smith & Wesson long and 32 Smith & Wesson in a Nagant revolver is it possible to use this ammunition it, it is um, and I don't think it matters but you're gonna get I don't I think you will get reasonable accuracy as far as these things are able to provide it the Gantt revolver isn't exactly you know again the double action on it is like 20 pounds so if you shoot it single action you know wherever the sights are they are um, yeah I would say that you can you can use those definitely I think the cases will kind of bulge but the bullet is about the right diameter for the bore. The Smith & Wesson long seems to be a better idea because the uh, bullet will have a shorter way to travel to get into the rifling. Um, 
but yeah um, now here's the other point where you find that ammunition I don't know so there you go you could probably find some somewhere but and it's gonna be a lot more expensive I think you can still probably get some well it's the uh, PPU uh, still make some so I would go for that first okay next one what cast bullet should I use in my 8 by 50 label berthier rifle uh, I only know of one that provides what it is it's not exactly it's not a 323 bullet like you think it would be it's a um, the one that they like to use is the 330 Lee 330 because they have very generous bores. I mean, the best thing to do is slug a bore, slug your bore, and then choose the one. But you're going to choose the larger one, and put that behind whatever you know starting load of of powder. Uh, you go to the. I don't think the Lyman book. No, Lyman book doesn't do eight by fifty anymore. Um, you might have to look online and and find and and uh, someone will have it and just go with the starting load and you know work your way up uh, I I would personally cast it out of you know kind of softer leads so um, yeah that's what I would do but I'd use the uh, use the larger bullet a 323 bullet isn't gonna make it isn't gonna cut it it's gonna just bang down the bore because it's gonna be too small okay what do you know about the 7mm Mexican Mauser rifle? Um, I think they had a couple different models. The one I know about is the Model 1910, which is a an 18... The action is a 98 action. Um, the factory was set up, I guess, 1909-1910 in Mexico um, with German help. And they made really good quality rifles, you know. just They're really good rifles, so... Um, really good rifles, meaning they're the equal of any other Mauser anywhere else. So they're they're good rifles. Um, very interesting. Uh, they have the Mexican crest on the receiver, which is very cool. Um, and they made them up into the 30s, and then I think maybe even maybe even later. And then uh, they had another another pattern Mauser rifle before they finally went into you know some semi-automatics. So. Um, yeah, but for the first, uh, certainly the first half, maybe even the first two-thirds of the 20th century, that that was a a rifle that was doing doing a lot of business down in Mexico. That's for sure. Good rifle. Um, seven millimeter Mauser is an absolute joy to shoot out of a Mauser rifle. It really is. I think. 7mm and 7.65 Argentine were the two best calibers for the Mauser. 6.5 a little light, 8mm a little too heavy. Oh, by the way, um, <laughs> I was we were talking about the, you know, hey, is there any kind of use for an 8mm Mauser these days? And we kind of talked about bear defense, you know, that, hey, you know, close range, bear defense. Well, there were actually, on the uh, 98... The K98K forum, uh, they have po a, a, a forum for post-war use of the 98, and one of them was showing the uh, one of them was with, you know, Prince Harry, a man with a man with serious problems at this point, 
but he was um, he was up in the Arctic somewhere, and they were using a uh, a 98k unmodified service-looking thing. I, he must have been with the Danes or somebody. Um, but they were up in polar bear country uh, with with a 98k for bear defense. You saw the guys were you know the guys had it there. So you know same thing steel cupped butt plate you know definitely what it is so yeah there is there is some use for that i mean up close you don't need a 300 magnum you don't need some of these other things uh because up close that eight millimeter mauser will will do the job you know as a matter of fact i still think the danish the danish the serious serious patrol the one that go up to northern greenland uh, I think they still use 1917s for their polar bear defense. U.S. model 1917 rifles in 30 out six. So, I want to tell you something. And uh, the Canadian Rangers up till very recently used uh, 303 Enfields, and I'm sure the bear defense was first and foremost on their minds too. Uh, how has your opinion of 30 Super Carry changed? Uh, the answer is it hasn't. Still stupid. Never would have been brought out if it wasn't, you know, kind of the... And it's not the guy's fault, but Forgotten Weapons did a big thing on 32 French Long. And obviously that's set in motion where, wow, if we just hot-loaded this thing and, extend, you know, kind of made it a little longer and hot-loaded it, just like going all the way back to the 38 Super, the 357 Magnum, the 44 Mag, you know, wow, we'll have this great cartridge that'll be better than anything else and better than 9mm. Well, it's not. Um, I rarely see ammo for it, so if you buy one, you better better know how to hand load. So that's that's my opinion. It's still it's still silly. Um, it just just not there and it brings out it brings out the the issue that i have with this stuff is they're introducing so many new calibers now that it's impossible to stock ammunition for anything if it wasn't for ppu making a lot of the classic cartridges we'd be in serious trouble we, we'd have we would have a large percentage large meaning maybe 10 percent of the guns in the United States, you couldn't get ammo for. Right now, it's PPU. Um, that's that's who it is, They're keeping that afloat. Seven six point five Argentine. Where are you going to get that? Um, seven millimeter Mauser, thirty forty Crag, um, three hundred three British. The only three hundred three British factory I've seen out there is PPU. Um, yeah. I mean, there's still some surplus out there, but you know that market has got has got some challenges. Which is number one, supply, and number two, has the stuff. Are you buying something that's 80 or 100 years old? That's uh... okay. Here's our next question. Uh, what is your opinion on AK folding stocks? Um, the underfolders are horrible. They look cool, and it's worth having one in your collection if you want the classic underfolder AK um, but they're miserable they, I, I won't say miserable but they're not comfortable to shoot they're not nearly as good as the Woodstock variations to shoot in my opinion same thing with the side folders uh, they're a little bit better but you know you give up a lot when you when you have a folding 
stock or especially an underfolder. The underfolder was just a copy of the the German MP40 stock essentially or an, I should say an adaptation of it. Um, and that worked fine in 9mm 7.62 by 39 a little bit different a little bit different case. Um, so uh, I think that's a pretty much they're pretty much losers and I, I mean I learned this lesson the hard way um, I have a G3 clone I had to put the telescoping sight uh, stock on it and man alive you know it hurt to shoot it and it, it breaks my what I was talking about earlier uh, I don't shoot guns that hurt me you know so uh, any gun that's not fun to shoot and you know slams into your shoulder like that hey that's no fun it's just no fun so I wound up putting uh, Bundeswehr wood on it which give it this really cool atom punk look that I like and you know because it's got the 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 holes in the handguard you know it looks really cool so um, the, it looks really cool so I, I went with that look as opposed to the uh, folding stock uh, or the uh, telescoping stock the only telescoping stock I found that's that's worth anything is the one on the M4 and you know there's there's all kinds of variations of it now you know everybody's improved and made it I, I go kind of with the original because hey it, it works good so I I've never really felt the uh, dynamic need to upgrade that to look like something else um, so that's that's kind of where I am with you know rifle folding and telescoping and underfolding stocks um, they look it goes back to that thing I was talking about before where just because something looks cool does not make it cool um, you know it, it just sometimes sometimes our impressions of things are formed by movies or you know wow my this this special operations unit uses a you know they use a short barrel this then they're cool so this must be better than the standard issue one a lot of cases it's not a lot of cases it is not I've also run across special forces and other kind of guys who you know they tell me well I had an M4 with a 10 inch barrel it's like I don't think you did I think you might have had the 14 inch one um, and I say that because I was in US SOCOM so I can I, I kind of knew what they had and um, oh no 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 you know mine's shorter than the regular ones oh okay great you know you're shorter yeah okay somehow that makes you more high speed okay you know if you want to believe that so um, same thing if you want it for your collection or you want it because of the way it looks that's that's great but um, I personally I like the standard one because it it just you know that's usually the that's usually the model that all the R&D and testing has been put into um, so just kind of go from there it's uh, um, definitely definitely gonna be the most comfortable one to shoot uh, another one another one is the uh, FAL yeah the para model is very cool but in their heart of hearts most people will tell you yeah the para models cool but you know it's a little bit punishing with the recoil and uh, you know I just like the I just like the standard FAL stock so much that uh, it's an awesome, 
it's a very comfortable rifle to shoot even in the full length version it's very very comfortable and cool to shoot so i like it very much so that is it uh, this is kind of a shorter one but uh that is it for this edition of old school guns the podcast that tells you exactly like it is and again if you have any questions or comments kbmakel at aol.com kbmakel at aol.com or put them in the comment section on podbean we love to hear from you so let us know um also, if you've got any other kind of format suggestions or anything that you would uh, uh, like me to cover, go ahead and uh, put those in too. Because we can grow, we can change. Um, so we are we are happy to uh, um, if we have the expertise, we're happy to kind of provide it to you and uh, um, you know make make give you some value added there. Anyway, that's it. And until next time, this is Old School Guns, out.